world, and welcome to Centered Subject, your weekly existential entertainment hour. Yeah. I am Yelena, and um, here with me is my regular co-host, Jenny. Hello. Hello, world. Hi. Hello, Yelena. And um, today we're actually joined by our friend... um, we have a special guest. This is an artist and interdisciplinary cultural practitioner, Robbie Nock. Hello. Hi, Robbie. So the context, I guess, is that Jenny and I, I was sort of always thinking about history and the way that it seems in some way that we're steeped in a kind of eternal present at the moment. Mm. I think society is not very concerned with history, possibly, or more concerned with innovation as a kind of new ideas of the new and the progress. Right. So... We're basically meeting to discuss that. That's the subject of today's centered subject. We're centering on, I guess, on that, on innovation and things of that nature. Right. Are we going to question innovation? I think we might. Yeah, I think we'll do all, you know, all the possible things that we can do to it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. Dismantle we'll, we'll dismantle. We'll examine and dismantle innovation. Okay. I made a long list of deep thoughts concerning the issue. I'm super excited. Um, but so one thought that I had was, um, so there's like a couple of ways in which we're dealing with social issues, I guess, like in, that are ongoing right now, or like geopolitical issues maybe in some ways. Like Brexit is happening and the Irish backstop is this big thing and um, it's interesting how no one can seem to figure it out and they keep sort of throwing the ideas of innovation they're like oh we can just come up with some innovative tech that will allow us to like transcend you know the boundaries and kind of transcend the human history of the you know like the issues and I mean I guess it's and similarly with um, gun violence as well Um, I feel like it's more about sort of what we can invent to read people's minds prevent them from shooting Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just kind of do all these I've been very worried about the repercussions of essentially trying to surveil people more mm. because of guns right. and the sort of reverse logic that actually that leads to less freedom. Right. It's just sort of, it's, you're protecting people from themselves. Like the idea is like right. you protect the person from themselves, but you also right. then deny them the moral choice making. Right. Agency. Guns were an in, in innovation, right? Like historically. That's true. An, historically, an there was an innovation and invention, yeah. Um, but yeah. more specifically, like the innovations that can be created by technology to sort of scan people, to look at their mm-hmm. records, to watch them in public, to see if they have a gun, to have other forms of like violent responses available for the people that do have guns and to use drones and you know a a complex web of um connected information and and like systems of monitoring people and it's a very risky thing and and i feel it's so strange how the people that really support gun rights are going to undo the very freedom that they think that the gun Mm -hmm. allows or, or so bizarre creates. that the freedom that the gun allows is also such a right. bizarre freedom. I know, that it is a that it is a. It's a like clearing freedom. what is a freedom of like clearing space for for you right. by like mowing people down. The Second Amendment right is like the right to bear arms mm. because you're afraid the government is going to take over your land or right. come into your house. It comes from like. A, the colonial mm-hmm. times yes. when it was there was a possibility that the British were going to, which they did, would like enter their homes and take their stuff and murder them. Yeah. But now they're going to take your mind. Right. <laughs> enter enter your, your mind. mind. This is the issue at stake. Yeah. <laughs> and they, right. they will enter your home mind. through an alternative yeah. channel. Right. Well, there is actually the great that, Trojan horse of the day. There's that guns. Facebook study, right, that's happening right now. There was that article the other day I read. Or if you um, about Facebook developing technology to will help people that are paralyzed, you know, have trouble communicating. That's the kind of the reason, but the implications of that. So they can communicate with mere brainwaves, but mm. the implications of that, of course, are really right. dark mm-hmm. and yeah. come into my mind. Right, right. Brain, brain read, machine, read whatever. Yeah, brain machine interface yeah. technology. Right, is complicated. That article brought up a lot, and I agree. I think that it felt terrible and in my most like 
well state and my younger self state that I'm having right now, I'm like, no way can you get into my brain and read my brainwaves. Did you, when you read the article, did you scan your brainwaves at that moment for like what they would get? Cause one of my favorite <laughs> kind of, things, yeah, I was like, well, what, what about this? Yeah. What about the stuff that I really don't want anyone to read? And the article, right. They could only scan very simple. Yeah. Like they would come up with words. It would act. I mean, this is an actual mm. technology that exists where you can scan people's brainwaves and comma and translate it into very simple things like hot, cold, fine, comfortable, uncomfortable. Like I scanned my brain on the subway and I was like, <laughs> if someone scanned me, what would it come up with? You know, it was a really interesting thing. And it was definitely like tired, you know, but I was like, wow. I was like, it, I don't know if it was positive or negative to the technology, but at that moment I was like, what is a scan of my mind right now? Mm. Which is just alone, very interesting to like flatten experience in that way. Yeah. I was thinking the word flat, flattening right. is really accurate. However, there was like a corollary to this because my aunt has Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and we can't communicate with her. She can't speak. She can't tell us how she feels about things. And Alzheimer's and uh, dementia are really challenging in this way because people lose the ability to describe their experience, but they have very specific experiences. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, like it would be such a godsend to give that to my family to some, you know what I mean? It would be very helpful to them and and lessen their suffering. But to me, you know, imposed upon by the government, it would be terrible, you know? So I got into like a little moment of debate in my head about new technologies and what needs to happen with new technologies. And in an ideal world, what would I do to try to keep them in the right hands? And does yeah. that exist? You know, I want to know a whole place. Oh, but. I grapple with that all the time. So in your work, you do work with innovation. Is that right? Yeah, I, I would say that like, that's a really a core part of what people think I'm doing. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, what, what do I do? That's a good question too. I think the primary thing that I do that I'm paid for is I help to connect really the the world of art and design education with jobs. Mm -hmm. So what are people actually being paid to do yeah. that are creative and coming from a, a background of, you know, some form of visual creativity? And that spans everything from car design to fine art. Interestingly, like a lot of the stuff, like NASA, for example, it's a sort of historical perspective of, of innovation and the forces that it's that it rests in between are so dynamic it's always both good and bad you know it's mm -hmm. always both <laughs> yeah isn't that interesting it's always yeah. a seesaw of that nature you know, of yeah that kind where but the balance is never achieved it really always leans to the left or the right and not in the political sense although i guess you could say mm. that but also also in the political sense it's true definitely just thinking of the seesaw manipulated that way. yeah everything is philosophical everything is an ethical situation mm -hmm. there's nothing that exists particularly with when people interact with each other in their work and their very serious innovation or even in design that, you know, they're always involved in ethics. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if the technology brings that to the forefront as well, because it's, it is like that innovation and kind of having a new way of well, modulating humanity or something, you know, I, then yeah. brings up the question of how do you... Systems design, essentially. Yeah, and it's true. It's like a new system for living. Thinking about systems and entire systems, not just yeah. parts of systems, and or at least trying to conceive of that. Um, but space is so interesting in this front, and especially yeah. the language around it. Like, something was advertised to me on the, through the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. and it was, the headline was, <laughs> space, kind of advertising space is a portal for profit. <laughs> uh -huh. Space is a portal for profit. <laughs> that's what he gets sure. in his yeah. ad. That's what you get. Yeah, that's no, targeted, I guess, to me. Um, I mean, that's a very kind of, you know, a science fiction idea, I feel like, that has been explored through and through. Right, but yeah. space yeah. is also a portal to the imagination, and space right. is a portal to, you know, any number of other things. Sure, right? yeah. And so we're, we're kind of in this place where innovation... It's it's a disguise for what it's somebody's wielded really for saying. Yeah, for sort of like a capitalist um, yeah. enrichment aim. It's wielded for all kinds of aims. Okay, like fine, yeah. not even. I mean, not just economic aims. But yeah. It, it is a huge part of the world of the scientific community. Right. So it's sort of like any innovation is thought of as good as probably good and good for us innovation. Or because it's new, it's a development, 
it is going to push our people, you know, our species forward in some way. It's sort of, but it's like unaware of the hubristic nature of that statement, you know, that like innovation. Or maybe just hoping for the best. Yeah, it's optimistic. Yeah, that's nice. I think that's sort of like the American dream version of what, Mm. you know, and, and how much you believe in the American dream or, you know, you've been talked into it, you know then you feel positively when you think of innovation. But I have to say, when we first started talking about this and we, um, I started looking at this, uh, one of the uh, sources that we've been talking about in preparation, this uh, book keywords, I was like, wow, I really do have a totally positive view of the word innovation. Mm. Mm. I really do. Well, right. It, well, it had a sense of clearing. It feels like, you know, it comes to kind of clear away the the old and dusty, right. you know. Which is so scary to me. Antiquated yeah. or something, you know, something that's no longer mm. relevant. And it, it kind of, it also creates a new leaf. I think there's something like, you know, like a bright new right. page. Fresh. Where you can write. It's very utopic. It's history. a utopic It's a utopic, yeah. futuristic kind of word. Yeah. That's yeah. good. And it's almost like we live in the world created by that space in everyone's minds, you know, by the word innovation. And now we're kind of living in those dreams. And we're wondering in our kind of existential, you know, worlds, realms, like, is this what we were dreaming about? We're Mm -hmm. seeing lots of downsides to a lot of this idealistic, you know, early 90s innovation. And Mm. it isn't so wonderful. No, I mean, we're at the edge of like self-imposed mass surveillance, you know. I don't know, at the edge even, I feel like we're kind of... It's not fully saturated. There are areas where... China maybe is more... Well, with, with they're the kind of the, pioneering the, the technology, yeah. you know, to, right. to, to actually surveil a whole city, to have a record of everybody in yeah. the city, mm-hmm. you know, and to track that using biometric data, using cameras. Right. Using and, and then you sort of affect what of people can do, um, what they're allowed to do, yeah. whether they can buy train tickets or if they can, I don't know, marry, have a child. I don't know if it's right. gone that far, it, but no, possibly. It's, it's all yeah. of those things. Yeah. What their so religion what is. you can do a license, yeah, to get this mm. or that. So it's completely have, like regulating everyone just in various aspects of as their data life. points kind yeah of. as data points it's true everyone is a kind of collection of this yeah right data points it's Ooh. very oh, it's so scary. harrowing yeah um i think one of the things that i think we could talk about a lot more later but i just want to put it out there that something about our capitalist system has a self-monitoring like through capitalism so in mm, some ways definitely you know like our purchases and our sense of identity, we're like always checking our identity and what's all right using the capitalist system and using our phones and using social media, you know, which is connected to the economy. Like how many how many data points were incurred? You mean like how many likes or et cetera? What do you mean exactly? The In the advertisements and in the way different companies like it's much easier to have a social life if you're using Lyft all of the time and you don't consider, you know, that that's a really neoliberal program and, you know, there aren't many rights for the drivers and mm-hmm. the, the wage is very low. And we're kind of shown through the way the technology is used and through, it seems very, the technology is very sophisticated. You can use your phone. There's social, you know, it's a sharing economy. So we're like, mm. you know, assessing one another. It seems very even. It seems very free. It's true. It's interesting how we also assess one another there. It's true. Everyone gets to yeah. get started. Well, but these things are this, person's performance. Yeah, and the things are disguised within themselves. So, like, yeah. you know, the value system of a gig economy changes people's perception of their own worth. Yes, absolutely. And what a human. We we had a whole episode about this too. Like how what it means to buy things from another person. Yeah. And what it means to interact with someone like online or in person when you're buying something and like who they are as an individual in that. And it's completely changed by the way this economy works. And they're minimized to some extent. Wait, something you said, Jenny, that was so interesting to me and I think is maybe we should revisit as well later is that the way in which we live in a world that is occupied by other people's minds, like our mind and other people's minds, it they're so present in our experience of these things like mm-hmm. innovation or the sort of extension of like the self relative to the work that one does relative to the way that it's valued. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very complex, strange thing. Yeah. Other people's perceptions of innovation. I find I'm confronted by that all the time. Hmm. What are people finding? What do they think it is in your work or in, in your life? I think that they, they don't realize that it's, it's really just like conversations and possibilities. Hmm. It's like True. really the space is about what imagining what things can be 
mm-hmm. thinking about them, describing them, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing if you can communicate them. If they can't be communicated, they really don't probably exist. Hmm. Um, but people perceive it to be some sort of magic, like some sort of like, ooh, innovation workshop. I'm going to figure it out. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I love the idea of an innovation workshop. <laughs> you just bring anything and you're like, innovate. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, just have a conversation. You know, it's all you got to do is talk to each other. You'll figure out a better way. Right. right. It is like a lofty term. It's true. I kind of like the, the conver- I, you know, I'm a sucker for the conversational, like the, the fact that it just feels like you and I are going to sit down and we're just going to talk and between the two of us and the lives we've lived and, and just the possibility of what's going to happen, we're going to really solve this and write it down on a piece of paper or, you know, piece, big piece of chart paper. And I mean, there, you can get pretty far in some ways between two people in that way. Can you solve everything? Yeah. Something will happen between you that I think is interesting. But but yeah, this sense that it's just two people talking about something. Well, I think there's something there that, you know, I think people come together and they share an experience. And they're like, oh, I have this kind of problem, you know, like my shoe right. fell apart on the yeah. second day of buying it. And they're like, mine too. <laughs> and then, yeah. okay, that's just my personal problems. But, um, but you know, and they're like, let's innovate. Let's let's make a nano shoe. No, wait. Shoes are a great particle. space for innovation. Oh, I'm so frustrated. I like spent my whole monthly food, but I'm not eating now because I bought these shoes and they're like totally collapsing. But wait, are you, are, so your innovation is to make nano shoes to go into the hole in your shoe? Nano particles. No, just like make them out of like indestructible nano particles that will not be able to destroy. Are other shoes going to step into it? I don't know. I, just, I tried making a ceramic shoe the other day, so I don't know. Maybe I'll go in that direction. Go back to the earth. I'm not sure. Right. My right. innovation is like, let's dig holes again and see what we find. I'm all for that. <laughs> what are we, where are we not looking? The ocean is, a, is like, we're talking about space. There's a lot of trash in the ocean. We don't know much about the ocean. It's true, because it's covered in trash. It's co- well, the surface has got a lot of trash in so it. So we've got to go it's deeper. Right. Actually, and, you know, I'd like to go down to magma as well. Like, I feel like people don't mm. talk about magma enough. And yeah, nobody, we need to figure does. that out. <laughs> Can we go internally? And so, yeah, it's like, yes. what's up with space? There's so much unexplored yeah. right here, right now. I propose that we go uh, deep into what I'm going to call the center of the the earth. Word. And then we go on a, a long journey with lots of scientists and individuals, maybe some housewives together, and then we'll find some small men in the center of the earth. And um, I'm quoting the Jules Verne novel. <gasps> I know. Oh, I know. I was aware. I was, I was about to, you know, chime in, but Jules Verne, I think he's my favorite author. Like, he's really growing up. He was my favorite. I know. So this kind of brings us to history and, and literature. And I think that that is a really sobering thing for this time. Yes. Is to think about how people thought about innovation at different... And yes. The war of the world. Can you feel that I'm about to talk about the, one of my favorite books? Okay. But, uh, but that we're in a time of great, great change, like utterly confusing great change and, and so much uh, transformation. And, it, yeah. and what I've learned from studying these kinds of changes in some of the work that we've done is that a lot of interesting innovation and through the arts um, and different ideas, but like just lots of innovation comes out of hysteria over change over technological change. Yes, I agree. It's a lot of the same kinds of thinking that you see out in the world, both the good and the bad of the thinking and the the innovation that is out there. It's very related, I think. And it really goes very deeply. I'm reminded of how freaked out people were when, you know, printing press came out. You know, people thought right. that we were going to lose our memory. We're, you know, we're not going to be, you know, since we're, we and wanted we to do... True. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, since oral history, that was sort of marked the death of kind of oral storytelling mm-hmm. passing around. And yeah. And then when the telegraph was invented, um, everyone was sure that no one would ever write ever again because so it would true. just be voices, whispers, thousands of whispers over the planet or whatever. Yeah, disembodiment really became true. I also like the idea that it was just first with the printing press and then the telegraph came swiftly after. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I innovated. You really... <laughs> I innovated my historical timeline. Leaped a few centuries. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can walk through each important innovation if you would like. So is it the book that called Haunted Media that... The electronic presence from telegraphy to television. Mm. It is 
So very nice. Yes. I've heard of this book. I have not read it. And it's pre-internet. And so to read it in today's world, it's very intense. It's a very intense experience. I just wanted to read um, from The Haunted Media, this great book about online electronic presence from telegraphy to television. Listen to this. <laughs> More sent, chosen message. What hath God wrought to his associate, Alfred Vail in Baltimore, who then sent message back to Washington for confirmation? In the ensuing years, the telegraph rapidly expanded as a commercial operation, and in the following decade, its lines quickly crossed the continent. By 1861, the telegraphic network has outraced the transcontinental railroad to California. By 1866, a reliable cable reached across the Atlantic to England and beyond. For a world that had waited weeks to receive messages from across the ocean and days to receive messages from across the nation, the ability to contact London from New York in only seconds must have truly tested the limits of credulity. Even more astonishingly, the electronic circuitry of the telegraph made possible the instantaneous exchange of messages in the complete absence of physical bodies. I think this is the key point. Reporting on a meeting conducted by telegraph employees over a company wire in 1857, an awestruck commentator provides a typical account of the baffling new, quote, telepresence, unquote, created by this technology. We published the following novel and interesting account of a meeting of the employees of the American Telegraph Company on the third instant at what place? What is the question at no place or at all places where there were telegraph offices within the circuit of 700 miles, a large room that 700 miles in diameter for a meeting to convene the members together in spirit and communication <laughs> and yet in body 700 miles apart wow yeah the sense of disembodied communion anyway so this i think the disembodied communion is right. like such a good right it's way like, of encompassing our existence now yeah disembodied, in many ways. A disembodied yeah. emotional relationship that yeah, happens simultaneously right. over incredible feats of inventions. It's true. Well, actually, Jenny being in New York right now is another yeah. example of just that living room of being rather large. I still don't know how the internet works, by the way. I was trying to figure it out as I was re- rereading this book. I was like, oh, oh it's a shit. kind of cable. <laughs> it still is a cable. It's it still, still is a cable, you know, cable. oddly enough. You know, it's like, yeah. no, it's on the it's edge of becoming leave. non-cable. Right, but still the cable. I want to put something out also from the book. So there's all of this innovation that's going on at a certain time. And then the book is called Haunted Media, right? So then the thing that comes up right after the innovation and people's hysteria around just the innovation that their lives are going to change, they don't understand how it works. They think it's magical to some extent. It doesn't make any sense. It's like radio kind of transmissions were actually very strange. And like they would, wasn't there a story about someone like having radio transmissions come out of their mirror or something? It was just. (laughs) Oh, yes. I mean, the suspicions were there, certainly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's an ideal situation for for mediums, I think, and and all sorts of like supernatural, which is where living again, the new medievalism of which I pontificate uh, on a constant basis is is alive with us today. I feel like, you know, the kind of resurgence of the spiritual in a way, you know, I feel like the, the response or resistance the to technology. Sure. Well, it's also kind of like maybe, and I think that this is where that comes from. It's that we where we believe so much in the internet, and we communicate so much through the internet that, and it's so disembodied and yet so present in our lives no. that the other things that are not present. I mean, that are very present, but disembodied seem much more likely, but we don't really think about it, you know? So it's very similar to like in the book, it talks about spiritualism, which still blows my mind. Spiritualism was sort of invented and caught on right after the telegraph hysteria. And the book says in relation to the hysteria around the telegraph, people were like, what? You can send a message all the way across the world? Well, then obviously we can talk to ghosts. It went like from there to there. Obvious. That's <laughs> that a, it is obvious. Stems, yes, I think, you know, the way you put it, it just made it really reasonable because, yeah, whatever is disembodied, this should be accessible. But how could you, right. how could you imagine a ghost 
before the internet and after the internet? Like, how does the notion of ghosts change? Well, the digital ghost... I want more ghosts on the internet. I am pissed that there aren't more. But, you know, there's all the people that die and then, you know, their Instagram and Facebook... But then there's also these um, companies that are developing, um, you know, based on what people have tweeted and have, um, you know, communicated electronically. Mm -hmm. They're developing an algorithm to match that pattern. Yeah, that's a zombie. That's not a ghost. Oh, that's such a good point. Well, right. Yeah. The difference between ghosts oh. and zombies is a critical thing. There's a palpable thing. difference. I agree. Right. Cheers. I want, I want a ghost. <laughs> to the discovery. I mean, I don't think it exists. But I really do buy that I believe in astrology now because I spent too much time on the internet in the same way that they believed in ghosts. Me, sure. <laughs> because mm. of telegraphs. Mm. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's similar, I think. Gosh, it is so interesting to think about when people d- are confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> so very. You're here. <laughs> You're here. <laughs> so very interesting indeed. Well, Ourselves the, included. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel I'm, I'm very, very confused about things. And something that always was a a sort of like kind of caught my brain was an idea that stained glass w- was the really the first form of like video what or like the projection oh, of light yeah, we're both through what do you mean a colored oh kind of colored, colored there's glass a light in the oh the light falling and through the light through it creates a sort and of light a, changes oh. so it kind of illuminates differently right and so to think of like medieval times and some of the confusion right deep confusion For sure. Also interesting that medieval came after this kind of a sort of a period of enlightenment in a way. You know, there were like roads right. functioning, bathrooms functioning. Right, the and end of the Roman like, Greco Roman Empire. Right, yeah. And then yeah. we've collapsed into that medieval Yeah, we are in an in a new version of that. It There's, feels that way. In iconography, communicating through I think images to me feels similar in that way. Right. Yeah. Right. People are caught up in this sort of sublime feeling of the medium. Mm-hmm. Which is enough for them. Yes, like, it's gripping. Right. It's a total reality. I think it's also the same thing. It's that it's the great change. It's the great yes. socio socioeconomic technological change. You don't know how to grapple with it. Yeah. Mm. There's no precedent. Because then, you know, in the medieval at at during the plague, the religious, like intense religious Puritan, you know, very extreme beliefs came right after it, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, in moments of, you know, being wiped out, of course, that makes a lot of sense, but it was like rising all the way through Mm. all of the technological change because it helped people hold on to something as things were changing. The ebb and flow of that creates different feelings about what innovation is. It's like, are we losing something or are we like finding a new place to grow our potatoes? I feel it right now, you know, I feel it in this time that something about the age that I'm at. I'm in this kind of very in-between place in my life and certain contexts make sense and continue Mm. to make sense. And certain ones that I was using are no longer useful. And like young people that I meet, you know, I'll hang out with teenagers for some of my job stuff. Like they will be counselors at the camp Mm -hmm. I work at or different kids that I meet and they'll have some very similar values to what I have or had at that time. And then some brand new ways of seeing the world. And Mm. it's a lot to grapple with. There's a lot going on. And it's almost like I have to center myself extra in order to manage things not quite being what they were and Mm. a lot of new information coming in. And I can see that affecting people as they age. We've talked about this in terms of like Trump and conservatism, that change makes people more conservative. It's true because they're trying to kind of hold on to something familiar, essentially. Right, right. Definitely. And also once you know something, it is, it is, it's calming because you know how it yeah. went. You know the past. Yeah. You know, and so it's calming when you think right. about the, I don't know, the Cold War period of space race. You know, there's just something. You yeah. know, that progressive idealism and such right. cuteness about it. You know, it makes you feel right. Very such calm. joy They've and imagination. You know, of it. except for poor Laika. You know, but Belka and Strelka. Poor Laika and Belka and Strelka. Everyone always forgets about them, but they were also there. Yeah, they were dogs. If anybody doesn't know, sorry. Woof woof in space. They want things to say the same. But they can also maybe feel this new, these new ideas coming in and they don't feel ready to master them. They don't feel like in charge of them. Yeah. So then they fight back twice as hard. And I don't know. I just recognize that from like the medieval and I recognize.
recognize that from some of the xenophobia and things during described in this book during the time when the telegraph and spiritualism were happening. Like it was an extremely racist time and there was a lot of stuff about immigrants during mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And possibly that is just that intense conservatism that comes when innovation goes so fast it knocks people over and puts them in this like defensive stance you know right the feeling of losing something that you had yeah is a very powerful thing right and so then we went to gain things to replace it well it's getting really abstract well that's where the sort of problems with the narrative lies like Mm. There's certain if there's a void fill it or something. Well, there's just certain, a certain ability for like the narrative to be controlled by the perception of what is gained and what is lost. I think this feels like a keywords moment where it feels like Mm. if you're putting these words around or near something that's also involved in making money, you're I feel like it just makes the money making look better. Mm -hmm. It kind of puts plants around. Yeah, polishes it. It polishes the money making. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, I'm just like putting forth this view, a very strong view, and maybe in five years I will change my mind. But it's like. The way capitalism works at this moment, I guess I'm a pretty hardline socialist, maybe anarchist socialist at this moment. And it's like hmm. I'm very skeptical of the idea that uh, that a money making venture can also be a humanistic venture, a truly humanistic venture. Well, you know, I think that this the question in, in money is a question of exchange and what's mm-hmm. the system of exchange. Mm-hmm. And money was invented a very long time ago. And where do money and words come from? They're both very That's ancient. True. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exchange and even just exchanging an object in exchange for another object. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's already a kind of current, oh, like barter, I guess. Right, and that's a, that. Even animals kind of do that. <laughs> oh, do they? I don't know. Didn't know. Oh, oh. oh I, come on! I, read, I just recently read about hedgehogs having sex and really loudly, oh, yeah. and police being called. I wonder if they exchanged any objects are you, before. Are this. you sure it wasn't raccoons? It was hedgehogs. It was in Germany, and people would get really upset, oh. and they would call the police hedgehogs? because people in Germany, you know, are just so proprietary-driven that you what? know, whenever something goes out of hand, you know, the sound is too loud they must call the, po- the police so anyways so they call and then they come and it's just hedgehogs and they think people are in trouble or something yeah, is happening like or screaming. publicly did they exchange yeah they i wonder if they exchanged, they exchanged objects. yelps Yes. Yeah, you can easily say ravens exchange objects, and I would probably buy it, but it might not be true. Yeah, they do all sorts of shady things, also animals. I mean, come on. So it's not like they're the moral example for me. (laughs) No, animals are not a morality system. (laughs) Definitely not. Though, you know, I'm feeling like such a hippie tonight. I'm open to suggestions from the animal kingdom as to new moral systems that I could adopt, because I'm just not down with the capitalist system. I was asking if anyone was open to um, my reading from the book of keywords, The New Language of Capitalism by John Patrick Leary. Okay, so I'm just going to assume that we are all open to it. Uh, I'm going to read some extracts from uh, the chapter on innovation. For most of its early life, the word innovation was a pejorative used to denounce false prophets and political dissidents. Thomas Hobbes used innovator in the 17th century as a synonym of a vain conspirator. Edmund Burke decried the innovators of revolutionary Paris as wreckers and misquains. In 1837, a Catholic priest in Vermont devoted 320 pages to denouncing, quote-unquote, the innovator, an archetypal heretic he summarized as an infidel and a skeptic at heart. The innovator skepticism was a destructive conspiracy against the established order, whether in heaven or on earth. And if the innovator styled himself a seer, he was a false prophet. By the turn of the last century, though, the practice of innovation had begun to shed this association with plotting and heresy. And uh, just jumping over a couple of sentences here. 
The contemporary ubiquity of innovation is an example of how the world of business, despite its claims of rationality and empirical precision, also summons its own enigmatic mythologies. Many of the words in this volume orbit this one, deriving their own authority from their connection to the power of innovation. So I think um, it would be useful here to look at the table of content and see just which terms are being parsed. So I'm just going to go in alphabetical order, just go through the chapters. Accountability. Artisanal. Best practices. Brand. Choice. Coach. Collaboration. Competency. Conversation. Content. Creative. Curator. Data. Design. Disruption. DIY. Ecosystem. Empowerment. Engagement. Entrepreneur, excellence, fail, flexible, free, grit, hack, human capital, innovation, leadership, lean, maker, market, meritocracy, nimble, outcome, passion, pivot, resilience, robust, share, smart, solution, stakeholder, sustainable, Synergy, Thought Leader, Wellness. In this book, it's very particular, and then it talks about how this positive view that we had about innovation was something that that was created very carefully by, you know, marketing and in a capitalist framework on purpose. And, and it didn't always have this like, you know, open field, like we were talking about where everything gets pushed aside, like that didn't always exist. And that was a creation. Um, and maybe for good or bad, and we were kind of taught to think this way. And then his uh, kind of thesis is that we need to look at that word and lots of other words because we were controlled in some ways by the creators um, of the meanings of those words. And so then we were kind of formulated, you know, to move in a certain direction by using the words. Mm. But also what's interesting, there's a serious kind of aspect of innovation, but then there's also this like extremely hilarious. <laughs> so Robbie sent me to this, this screenshot of an Instagram ad that he received. Um, so happy he received this ad. It was basically, you know, an ad for trousers. And there's a man who's leaning against the chair in the most unnatural way. I don't know how he's like able to remain on it. It's so precarious. And uh, this is an ad for, I'm actually not going to mention who, but basically shop now. The pants of fall. Each, each word here is capitalized. Um, for styles, innovative stretch. Your full uniform begins here. But I just thought it was so funny the way it was innovative. Innovative yeah. stretch Innovative is stretch, like, are those stretch. Yeah. I don't even understand. Like, that concept is hilarious. Like, a oh, those so stretch funny. in the, like, weaving has right. never been before. Like, things have never been stretched before. There's just right. never, this is the first stretching that has ever occurred. And, mm. and it's innovative. Are the pants why he was able to sit that way? <laughs> now I wonder. That would be much wonder, better. <laughs> but he's actually, his legs seem completely straight. He's actually not bending his legs at all. And like, one wonders if why, if that the reason why he's hovering so awkwardly is because his pants because are Because the pants don't himself. stretch. <laughs> they don't stretch. It because they keep well, completely. Well, stretch could be no stretch. Oh my God, that's, maybe it's the opposite. Yeah, because his legs seem completely stiff. It's almost like he's not able to bend his body to fit into a chair. You know, he's kind of like straight. To deconstruct this image takes more than just the notion of innovation. The disguising of words within words, those those that know the words versus those that don't, Mm -hmm. what those words are used to achieve in in physical manifestation. Right. It's a very, very complicated area. A way to imagine something else is not to think of an abstract force, but to describe the force and to describe the thing that it is that is perceived to be a problem, right? So Mm -hmm. I think we think about these days some of the political forces 
and some of the economic forces and some of the sort of global forces, we're constantly abstracting them into a mm-hmm. sort of a language where innovation and other connected words are containers for things. But just like innovation doesn't describe a thing, nor does a lot of the other problems. Like we can't, we, it has to be sort of a more of a specific approach, right? Like, and I'm guilty of this in, in my life of not being specific enough of like generalizing about a certain thing mm-hmm. to the point of it not being a real thing. But the specificity really is the, where the change is or where an alternative is, I think. Yeah, when you kind of look at a particular situation, I guess, rather than right. kind of hypothetically yeah, and talking that, about it. Is that what you mean? Well, kind of. Yeah. It's just maybe saying, like, in the particular situation, what is the particular problem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think at moments that are very... Sometimes they coincide. Mm. Yeah, they feel very large. Maybe, like, after a catastrophe, there will be a vague time after that, and then people start to try to make meaning after that. And I think after that, those kinds of moments, there needs to be kind of fact-finding and maybe concept-finding what happened, storytelling, emotional kind of talking and also I think theoretical like what Mm. were the structural things that were happening that could make you know could affect this situation or something welcome to my siren okay there New York yeah so that I think you know sometimes an event can be many things at the same time I can't stop being conceptual because that's what I'm like but I think that different things have different purposes at different times and I think that this moment is one of those times when we are kind of steeped in meaninglessness and it's painful Mm. and we're kind of doing Mm -hmm. a postmortem of what happened still doing a postmortem of what happened to this election and now looking at what's happening with all of this gun violence so often like we're trying to make meaning and I think some of that is conceptual because so much of it is emotional and really difficult to do, probably. Um, we're doing a postmortem, though, of what's still happening. Well, it's the human experience. Like, we want to understand. Mm, but we also you know? don't know when kind of history shifts, you know, when, mm. when it becomes... Yeah, I keep waiting. Don't you keep waiting for a breath, a moment where we can have a breath, but it doesn't stop. It I just, just don't think stop. it ever happens that way. I mean, mm. it's just right. very rare moments when you know like a country ends or something like that you know and you can really yeah. see a palpable change but you really it's usually retroactive you know that you look at it right and like, oh, okay hmm. in august 2019 it became like i mean this. i'm a bit holding my breath until the next election i will say because sure. it was just an election that that for me made this so much worse and yeah. i know that it was not so great before i think in all of the ways that we can avoid responding to the emotional indicators of the show right and the way that we can really think about what what is being said and less about how it's being said or Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. channel it's like to separate ourselves from the mechanism a little bit and and i think people aren't really offered tools to do that like i agree we have a really great world of colleges and universities that prize knowledge over an answer you know it's like mm-hmm. why can we are... but i think they're often also inaccessible to many people i know but yeah. maybe they're maybe they're trying to do the wrong thing mm. or they're focusing on the wrong area right now like like the confrontation to science to me this is something we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier is a real i mean science is steeped in problematic history mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but yet it is the only way that we can share an agreement about what the world is based on our own perceptual apparatus so that the fact that that is being questioned at the same level and just yeah it's yeah. a similar thing like that that europe is being questioned. i think science science and emotions europe. are equated right now you yeah. know i feel like science mm-hmm. and emotions have equal weight in people's minds or like they're you know the, the yeah, some of these I things i just that, feel this way yeah like is europe good or bad right is europe yeah, well, polarized is, thinking is just... Right. Or, <laughs> that's just never good. That's always bad. Right. That's always bad. But <laughs> oh, relative, to people's, relative to people's perception about a 
union yeah. of nations yeah. and the way they vote, they get two choices. Right. So I know. It shouldn't be like that, should it? Perception is not two choices, but no. voting often is, is an yeah. al- one or That's an alternative. True. Yeah. Which is a democratic structure, which is rooted in binary thinking, which is also connected to science. Yeah. The problem is that all of these things are right inextractable from themselves. Yeah. You know, our very <laughs> and that knowledge is, indeed the problem. is rooted in a problem. So true. Mm-hmm. The paradoxical nature of postmodernism. But we are beyond that, I think. I think we can imagine... We have a much bigger imagination than than we let ourselves use, you know. And we had finally, and in, in it's really just in the Western world of like relative safety from war, you mm. know, from war happening yeah. in your, your doorstep. doorstep. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we haven't come up with a new way of thinking. Right? Yeah. It's like. It's a, it's a retroactive oh, it's th- thing. Is that what it takes? I wonder if it's a frightening thought. Yeah, you know, like but a, a then that's the question of, of innovation. So it, who's taking over and what are we what are we giving? It does seem historically that that happens. You know, yeah. it's a moment that true darkness that kind of stirs the right, right. Know, the, the darkness of, of the most horrific way, religious way out. Yeah. atrocities yeah. is the same as the darkness of the most horrific technological or capital atrocities. True. Right? No, I would agree. But big change would have to come with that as well. I mean, huge change, yeah. usually. Well, right. Well, or is yeah. it like a local change? Like, can it be... I mean, that's why I'm so inspired by... This is the first ever podcast I've been on, which I feel so good about. Good versus bad. I feel all, <laughs> a lot of spectrums of things in the good spectrum. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's a time of talking about these things and a time of not being sort of like yeah, that's true. just uh, responding to them. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys are leading the way with that, like to be able to be open to multi forms of conversation and to inviting a, a really unique group of people and that to do it publicly, mm-hmm. you know, in a new yeah. space like yeah. this is where it really is. So more podcasts is the answer. More, more conversations about these subjects. Taking a time to consider things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think there's a difference between sort of responsive behavior that we have on the internet, you know, where we kind of like text back immediately or tweet back mm-hmm. or, you know, DM right. versus conversation, which does provide a kind of thinking space that's mm-hmm. more planner. That's right. Rather and than slows it down. Slows it down, yeah. Right. This is something where New York is such a great place, I think. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of what plays out happens in person you know mm-hmm. like the sort of density of people well, yeah. means that really your political action is not how you vote but it's how you treat the people around you right, right. you ask React them as a yeah the kind mm-hmm. of mutually embodied experience is so right. important right. And, yeah. they, and, and we respectful. look out for each other too right yeah, yeah. hugely because we're so, so much. close mm-hmm. I use that word so much embodied because like, recently I think it's been my mm. My funny it's word good. I've been using. Yeah. We we're pretty. I'm, I was just like lamenting how many hours I've spent on the train, often trapped underground mm. on a busy train in the heat. It's pretty intense. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about being a New Yorker is that there are lots of unspoken rules where people will make sure to take care of the whole culture of that specific car. Um, and one another within it. But oftentimes you'll find that it's the older members of the car (laughs) who are doing the checking or, you know, calling the station, you know, manager guy or whatever, when something intense happens. And there's a lot of like microcosmic kind of things going on with like how a city works possibly or how New York works. Like when you're on a train, how about this as a thing that is becoming really hard to understand and people's responses to it are changing so rapidly. Social security, what does that mean now, right? It's a it's a part of the government that provides a democratic service. A democratic and social, I guess, socially minded, communally minded service. Mm-hmm. That we all kind of pay into so that we may ensure everyone's relative well-being at an age when yeah. they're less capable. Right, and it, so a sort important. of universal issue of death. Yes. And to be able to provide a semblance of care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is secure. 
Yeah. The fact that that's on the chopping block as a thing, like that oh, we yeah, all no, don't understand yeah, re- no, don't. what it is. That's it's so like, strange. I don't get you've it. You've got to be yeah. joking. Like that is right. insane. You know? Yeah. And it's a word. They're w- these are simple words. Social security, right? Like yeah, it's a poem. You would want to, yeah, right. Well, it's the individualism. Yes, exactly. They don't believe in the idea of a social. There's no right. such thing. No, like, but they do. They just think it happens elsewhere. Maybe. Well, it happens through competition. It yeah. happens through those with enough yeah, and if money you make will provide. It, and if you don't make it, then too bad. You know, you're out of luck. Yeah. You should That's work not harder my when you're job. younger. Yeah. yeah, to take care of you. No way. Right. Yeah. right. There's no sense of mutual responsibility. But then you ask the same people about the roads and the stop signs. And it's interesting exactly. how it's pick and choose. Or okay. even the army, you know, or even the army. Like, that's just sort of, that's okay. You know, we can all sort yeah, of pay to right. this one service. Yeah, that's something right, I exactly. think that, that would be a good innovation, like, I think, to, like, change that thinking, which I think, yeah, like I maybe would think right. propaganda, more propaganda. Conclu- include those things. Yeah. There are tax cuts for white-collar companies, and that right. those are social yeah. welfare programs. That's, right. like, one of the largest social welfare pr- programs True. that exists is giving away money to corporations from the government in, mm. in taxes that they don't have to pay. That's social welfare. Mm. That is like social given welfare. by the government. It's amazing I if know. you think about it that way. It's, and like it's really we important. we don't want to give money to poor or old people. We want to give money to companies. It's I mean it's very clear. It's our priority. Well and there is this old idea that's gone that the corporation cares for its workers and right. like the gig economy and contract work and the general nature of yeah. disconnecting the worker from the thing that's paying them is like the status quo. So the snake eats its tail every time. It's so strange how like <laughs> we we are awake in this world of such contradiction. I think we forget kind of back to the historical perspective. We forget how much of an innovation social security was at the time and in what dire straits the world was in mm-hmm. in terms of like care for the old totally. for older people and care for the poor at that moment and it was a it was kind of an amazing innovation that came about. Was it Roosevelt? I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble. But it was a big deal, and it was thought of as a truly American program that was brought about. It wasn't always here. It was even in the 20th century that it came about. So it was invented. All of these programs were invented and, and innovated upon yeah. and then taken apart or attacked. So I guess there's the lesson there is just also the innovation and then don't discard right. it so easily in favor mm. of something new. I think there's just, just exactly again like a lesson to be learned from history and a lesson to be learned from the past. So, Agreed. yeah, I guess Probably. it's a good good note maybe to right. conclude on on today. Yeah, I think we centered and centered and I feel centered zeroed in. <laughs> yes, um. <laughs> I feel uncentered. But I think that this subject matter is very uncentering. It's it doesn't give you settling. a sense of, of yeah. well-being. Right, but, but we it, aimed, right. we aimed though. Well, right. we could talk more about the things that come out of this that are sure. have a have a kind of like um, a healthful effect. But I think it's important to leave it on a note of deep skepticism and disquiet. disquiet. Yeah, because that's yeah. where we yeah. are in the it's world. It's true. Yeah, would, it would be yeah, weird to we try to it out. make it all. You know, yeah. just a, a peach. I have a peach not not a foot away from my face. For real, you guys. There's a peach right right here in front of my face. Well, you That's should the eat only- it. The time of stone fruit. It's now. Wow. So it's amazing. Well, I just wanted to make a request to our listeners that they really seek out ghosts on the Internet. Because I want to I oh, find some. Oh, report back. I need yeah. to know. I, I must know. Have you read the novel Pattern Recognition by William Gibson? I haven't. Should ah. I read it? If you're interested in ghosts on the internet, yes. Okay, then okay. that's our that's our um, far away advice. No, away as we away we advice. Yes, and that's advice. We'll also put it in episode notes. Um, well, thank you, Robbie, so much for joining us today. Yeah, it thanks. It was really fun. Balmy evening in Los Angeles and New York in our yeah. seven hundred million mile living room. Um, yeah, our infinite the infinite living room of the present. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's it's comfortably disquieting. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys. It's a, a pleasure, really. And these yeah. subjects are, whether centered or not, are are so worthwhile to talk about. Totally agreed. And we shall continue um, next week. So tune in again. We'll be back. So until next week. Ciao. Bye bye.